Today on Lessons for Living, the teaching ministry of Mark Ballmer, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel, Melbourne in Melbourne, Florida. See, if you want to try to be somebody else, let me tell you what will happen in your life. If you want to operate with somebody else's gift, just listen to me, you will always be burned out. Because you're operating with the flesh. You can't do it. So when I'm operating with the gifts that I know I have, even though it's hard work and all the other things, I'm just flowing. It's okay. You're trying to do something that isn't your gifting? Forget it. You're going to burn out. And secondly, it is not going to be blessed. Believer, you have a gift that's unique from the Lord. Maybe you embraced it long ago. Perhaps you're just now finding what it is. Or maybe you don't know yet what He wants from you. Whatever the case, the key to glorifying Him with that gift is to be obedient and serve. If every believer did that, there would be harmony within His church and a powerful witness in His name. Fighting against His will is counterproductive to the work we should be doing as Christians. His power will accomplish everything He has in mind, so go for it. As we'll hear today, we must be willing to serve through the Holy Spirit and in love. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of today's broadcast. Now, let's join Pastor Mark in the book of Romans, chapter 12, verse 3, for our continuing study entitled, Operating Within Our Gifting. God has placed you in a fellowship for many reasons, certainly to get fed and to grow and mature and so forth, but he has gifted you. And there are three different sets of giftings. We're not going to go through except one of those tonight in Romans chapter 12 and also in 1 Corinthians 12 and then in Ephesians 4. But we're going to do Romans 12. Let's look down at verse 3. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought. So here we're against pride, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the measure of faith God has given you. So notice every Christian has a measure of faith given to us by God. Just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we who are many form How many bodies? One. That's where the unity comes. And each member, circle the word, belongs to all the others. So in this little particular church where we're at here, we're a unit. We're a local body. The Covenant Presbyterian, First Baptist of Melbourne, whatever the churches behind here, the Lutheran Church and the Pentecostal Church and the Church of Christ, they're all individual bodies. Now, corporately, in, in Melbourne and Brevard, there's only one real church if they teach the Word of God. Then worldwide, there's only one body. But we have to break it down to this little place where we're at. We're one body. Notice, we're together. God's put us together. We belong to one another. And that's why I challenge you, don't kick back and leave this place. Make sure you're getting together with other people. We're family. 
You say, well, how can you be family with 3,000 people? You can be family with 5,000 people like it was not the day of Pentecost. The number isn't the key. It's that we understand we're family. We belong to each other. We'll see in a moment. We have gifts that function together. Every single person is here for that reason. Now, Satan is against the family. He's certainly against the family of God. He's out to destroy the unity. He wants to do it with pride and all other kind of things. Well, as we're here, let's look and see what we have in verse 6. We have different gifts according to the grace given us. If a man's gift is prophesying, let him use it in proportion to his faith. If it's serving, let him serve. If it's teaching, let him teach. If it's encouraging, let him encourage. If it's contributing to the needs of others or giving, let him give generously. If it's leadership, let him govern diligently. If it is showing mercy, let him do it cheerfully. So as we look at those motivational gifts, now notice they're motivational gifts. They're gifts so that we can function in the body of Christ. If you're a Christian tonight, you have at least one of those seven gifts. God has given you that gift to function with it, and it's to motivate us into action. Just by Romans 12, you can just write that these are the motivational gifts. They're not the spiritual gifts. They're not the spiritual gifts of pastor, teacher, and so forth. These are the motivational gifts to take you, the person in the pew and myself, and motivate us into action to do the things that he needs done in his body. It's not an exhaustive list. It's a mixture of lots of different things. There's more gifts than these, but it is a gift so that we can be built up. Now, notice one thing. These are grace gifts. They're not given on the basis of some merit. Well, I have four years of college, or I have 12 years of college, or I own a multi-million dollar business, or, you know, I run this thing. So, no, they're grace gifts. They're sovereignly given by God to you and to me. That means what attitude should I have when I use my gift? Here it is. An attitude of gratitude and servitude. Never pride. So the gifts that I have, notice, I'm to serve with these motivational gifts, and I'm to have this attitude of gratitude. I'm so glad that God hadn't left me out. See, somebody here tonight, Satan has said to you, well, you went through that list, you don't have any of these. God must have been taking a coffee break when he, you know, just went right by. You just went right by and nothing happened. That's a lie. You have one of these. Every Christian has one, at least, of these motivational gifts. So I ought to be thankful, and then I ought to have this attitude of serving. Okay, since I have it, I don't want it to lie dormant. I want to use it, and I realize that it's a gift from God. So every Christian has one, and God will give you the ability, the strength, to use it for Him. You can't say, well, I know I got the gift, but I just don't have the strength to operate it. No, that's also a lie. God doesn't give you a gift and not provide the power, the wisdom, the strength, the time to operate it. Certainly He does. And just right by there, we won't go there tonight, but 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10 says this, Each one should use whatever gift he has received to serve others, faithfully administering God's grace in its various forms. So let me just say that before I go through this listing quickly. We'll just review that. And what I want you to do is think tonight, yourself. If you know what your gift is, 
Ask yourself, are you operating it? Are you serving? Every gift is based on service. So we're all serving one another. doesn't matter what the gift is. We're all serving. So that's the motivation for the gift. I'm giving it to serve you. You're using your gifts to serve me. It's all a basis of service, not a basis of pride at all. Well, let's just list them quickly. Prophecy. That just means communicating God's message. Strengthen, encourage, comfort. Can include foretelling. Prophecy about the future coming up. But normally it's forth, F-O-R-T-H. It's just a matter of simply giving God's heart and His mind through the Word of God. This is a little different than the, the spiritual gift of prophecy. Second, serving. It's serving each other. If a person has a gift of serving, let him or her serve. That just means giving assistance in practical ways. How's that happening here? All through the body. Hundreds of people serving. Next is teaching. That's just the ability to uh, finish on time. (laughs) So I don't have that gift. Now, Pastor Bill tells me he has it, but listening and watching a few times, he doesn't have that gift either. (laughs) No. What is teaching? It's the ability to examine and study the Word of God and then clarify it, defend it, proclaim it in such a way that people, as they receive it through the Holy Spirit, are able to grasp it and grow in maturity and effectiveness. I I knew, probably when I was 16 or so, even though I didn't really understand it, that that is one of the gifts that I had. God gave me the ability, now I'm certainly not the smartest guy in all the world, But he gave me the ability to take complicated stuff with the help of other people and break it down. And one of the comments I get a lot when I teach is, you're so simple. I take that as a great compliment because that's taking things that could be very difficult and people walk home and go, I can do this with God's help. That's my gift. And that's not me. That's God's gifting to me. We all have this kind, but we have just a different way of doing it. And so I pray for practical ways, like a plan or whatever. I pray. And you say, well, that's weird stuff. No, that's what God gives me. So that when people walk out, it's visual too. They can go out and say, see, Jesus was the greatest teacher there ever was. I mean, you sit with him. He'd say, consider the the flock. Consider a sparrow just falls to the ground. Probably one just clunked right next to him. (laughs) I mean, there it is. There it is. Disciples are looking over and he says, well, let's use this as an illustration. (laughs) That's the way he was. And did it stick with him? Still sticks with us today. So he was able to take the practical stuff and make it alive. That's what a teacher does. Now, we need much more than teachers. We need that prophetic person. We need that serving people. We need an exhorter. That's kind of another part of the gift that I have. An exhorter, by the way, that comes from the same word as Paracletus. The Holy Spirit. Someone who can exhort, comfort, and encourage. While I'm teaching, I want to exhort, and I'll talk about that at the end. It's more than just go, here's, here's some nice words. No, now how are you going to put that into practice when you leave this place? But other times, we have to allow the Holy Spirit to say, let's bring comfort to the people. So the people would leave going, it's okay. It's okay. God is still in control. 
That's what it's about. Giving. By the way, many of you have that gift of encouraging. Coming along. It's not just a pulpit gift. Many of you have that. Friend comes over. Stops you at work. You're on a coffee break. Their marriage is shattered. You can comfort them. You can pray with them. You can give them exhortation. That's a great gift. You'll know whether you have it or not. And God will use you in that. Now remember, grace given, given to you by God to build up people. Not to tear them down. To build up people. Next gift is giving. Another one that we all really have in many ways. It's sharing of our possessions or personal resources for the good of others. Whether it's food or money, possessions, whatever. Now, this giving really isn't a giving of our personal time. Because every one of these gifts only operates by you and I giving personal time. You got it? You can't teach, you can't give prophecy, you can't encourage unless you give your time. So it's not involved with time. Leadership. That means to set over or set before. You have that ability. You're able to organize. It's a responsibility over people. We're responsible for people. See, sometimes a person with the gift of leadership just likes the power. But you've got to go beyond the power to realize that the decisions we're making affect people's lives. So it's not a head trip. As I think out here and think some of you that are have that gift of leadership, the high school, the junior high, and whatever. It's not a power deal. It's affecting all of those kids' lives. So we have to do it with, as the Bible says here, diligence. We have to think about what we're doing, and we're doing it for God. Then mercy. This is just empathy in action. Here we see a person that sees someone in need, and they just love to extend Mercy in practical ways. Just, they love to do it. Now, notice how it operates. Look at verse 8. With what? Cheerfulness. It's not showing mercy, like, I gotta be mercy you again today. Here you are. We'd like that, wouldn't we? Thanks for showing us mercy. No, it's like, man, what a great opportunity. I can show mercy again. Some of us, I won't name it, don't necessarily have that gift all the time. Others of you do. Why do we need that balance? Because we need people with mercy. And see, that's hard, especially a person that's more the prophetic, whatever. Here's what it says, do it. The mercy person says, well, we can do it another way. And we work through that. That's why the balance is needed for all of us. Now, let me give you six things quickly about how these, if you have your gifts. Number one, know your gift. Number two, accept your gift. No jealousy. Accept your gift. This was the problem with Uzziah. He goes in and he says, I can do the priest's function. I'm multitasked. Here I go. You're going to see in a moment, God's going to say, oh, I don't think so. So you have a gift tonight. You say, well, I'd like that gift. No, God gave you the gift you have. So operate it. Exercise it so as to please God, not man. Number four, allow others to exercise their gift. That's why we have a body here. So we have to allow that. You can't have everybody. God doesn't put everybody in this body with a gift of leadership. You've heard it at work many times. Too many chiefs, not enough Indians. You ever work in a place like that? Everybody wants to be the boss. Well, naturally, it doesn't work too well. It doesn't work well at all, to be honest. It can't happen in the church. 
See, if you want to try to be somebody else, let me tell you what will happen in your life. If you want to operate with somebody else's gift, just listen to me, you will always be burned out. Because you're operating with the flesh. You can't do it. So when I'm operating with the gifts that I know I have, even though it's hard work and all the other things, I'm just flowing. It's okay. You're trying to do something that isn't your gifting? Forget it. You're going to burn out. And secondly, it is not going to be blessed. It just doesn't happen. So you can't force yourself into a place where God hasn't gifted you. He's gifted us all uniquely and just operate there. Number five, always give the glory to God. And number six, even though you're gifted, it still requires, it still requires the power of the Holy Spirit and love to operate it. Now, how should that function? Well, look at verse 9, Romans 12. This is kind of the gifts in action. How it functions in this body. So as I read this, look at yourself and go, is that me? Is that happening in my life? I I can't judge you. You have to look at yourself. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil, cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal. Keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. In other words, we should be devoted. There should be brotherly love happening here between us. We're honoring one another. We're letting them out of the parking lot before we get out. There's a lot of practical ways you can do this. When you do your serving in your area of ministry, you're doing it with zeal, fervency. You're knowing you're not doing it because Pastor Kenny asked you to. You're doing it because you're serving the Lord. Verse 12, be joyful in hope, patient in affliction. Faithful in prayer. And it's about every one of us, notice, notice, being joyful in hope. When we come, we know God's going to do something that night. We're expecting God to move because our lives are filled with that joy. You guys are doing a great job. And as we do that, people notice. Because, sad to say, it's not in every church. And God help us that we don't lose it by being prideful. And I'm just trying to share with you how much we have Sometimes we don't realize how much we have. Enjoy it, guys, because God's blessing is really upon us. Verse 13. Well, let's finish 12. Patient in affliction. I had to finish that one. Faithful in prayer. Faithful in prayer. Share with God's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. What does that mean? You're going to open your house. You're going to invite friends over. You're going to meet somebody new in the commons area and say, let's go out for lunch. That's putting it into practice. Bless those who persecute you. You might want to put a name there. (laughs) Thus saith the Lord. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. It's just wonderful to realize we're all together and serving. That's the body of Christ, serving with our gifts. So as you go home in your devotions, look at that and say, am I lacking? Is there an area that I'm not serving right? Do I send somebody else's gift? Maybe you're here and you haven't found your area. Pray that God will open that up to you. Get serving. Get functioning. Those of us that are serving, just serve faithfully with the gift you have. Realize We're just one little clog in this huge thing called the body of Christ. 
and we function together and all the glory goes to God. Back to Second Chronicles, verse 17. What happens when we desire somebody else or function in somebody else's gift? Not only do you burn out, but here you're going to get leprosy. Verse 17. Now Amaziah the priest with 80 other courageous priests of the Lord followed him in. So we have 81 priests following the prideful king in. He's getting ready to offer the sacrifices, whatever the offer, the incense. Verse 18. Why does it say courageous? Because it says they confronted him. And they said, it's not right for you, Uzziah, to burn incense to the Lord. That is for the priests, the descendants of Aaron, who have become consecrated to burn incense. Leave the sanctuary, for you have been unfaithful, and you will not be honored by the Lord God. So as Uzziah was usurping the priest's office, he knew it. God's word had strictly forbidden anyone except the priests in the line of Aaron to enter that holy place. The priests are bold enough to confront. They just say, this is no place for you. God's not going to honor you. You need to leave here. Verse 19. Uzziah, who had a censer in his hand, look at his reaction, ready to burn incense, became angry. Instead of teachable. If he'd have been teachable at this point and walked out, the blessing of God will have still been there. Watch what happens. While he was raging at the priests in their presence before the incense altar of the Lord's temple, leprosy broke out on his forehead. Notice his first reaction. And we have to feel for him because quite often this is our first reaction. When God points out a sin or another person in the body, i.e. our spouse, points out a sin, sometimes our first reaction is, what? You know, the man of God or the woman of God has lost it. And we head down. I know why you're laughing, because you've been there. <laughs> Haven't we? We're guilty. We know we're guilty. How dare you say anything to me? And yet, we blow it. And then not only are we guilty, but we got to go back and apologize. Know what I mean? For our anger. He's angry. Instead of repenting, this is a good challenge for us tonight. See, we're reading these things not to go, well, what's wrong with you, Uzziah? We're reading these things to go, oh, okay, I got it. Next time, be more careful. That's why we're studying this tonight. Now notice, we often don't see the judgment of God so quick. This is incredible. Boom. As he's arguing and yelling. Now sometimes we see the redness go up, but this is not redness. This is leprosy on him. In this particular case, while he's yelling, he's covered with leprosy. Do you think as that happened, there was any lessons to the priest standing by. Today we received a challenge from Pastor Mark to look at ourselves and whether or not we are serving the Lord through the gifts He's given us. Whether it's prophesying, teaching, encouraging, giving, we all have something we're meant to act on. God always gives us the strength necessary to carry them out. So if we're obedient, we will bless others on behalf of the Father. 
As Pastor Mark assured us, everyone's gift is important, even if it's one that doesn't receive notice from many people. The point was to glorify God through your obedience to Him. Just serve. Lessons for Living is the teaching ministry of Mark Balmer of Calvary Chapel, Melbourne. The messages that you hear each day here on Lessons for Living were produced from messages that Pastor Mark shared at the main campus in Melbourne. It's our prayer that this teaching from God's Word blessed and encouraged you in your walk with Jesus Christ. Maybe you're listening right now in Brevard County and you don't have a home church. We want to take this time to invite you to join us for worship. We meet at the Melbourne and Vieira campuses on Saturday night at 6 p.m and Sunday morning at 8.30 and 10.45 a.m. And those in the Sebastian area can join us Sunday mornings at 10.45 a.m. For more information, call us toll-free at 866-779-3441. That's 866-779-3441. Or log on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com and follow the link to the church website. Now, the next time you join us here on Lessons for Living, we'll hear about the consequences for Uzziah's departure from God's will. He has all these great accomplishments behind him, But what he will be known for is the affliction he experiences due to his sin. Pastor Mark will share the key to growth in our lives, which will be something we all can embrace and accomplish, no matter who we are. You've been listening to Lessons for Living with Pastor Mark Balmer of Calvary Chapel, Melbourne. Please join us again here on Lessons for Living, and together, let's do life right.